Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Her husband, a career law enforcement officer, died by suicide. And she's here to tell the story on the Law Enforcement Today Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at helpforourheroes.com. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those that suffer from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Their program features first responders and veterans helping first responders and veterans. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Calling us from the great state of Texas, Sharonda Calderon on the Law Enforcement Show. Sharonda, thanks so much for calling us today. Very much appreciated. Thank you for allowing me to speak. How are you? It's Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. I'm good, but to be honest with you, this is a subject that is so brutally hard to talk about. We've had quite a few survivors whose law enforcement spouses died by suicide on the show. And me being a retired law enforcement officer, I have gone through this with co-workers, and I still find it very difficult to talk about. And it's difficult to to talk about it. It really uh, it, is. It is. And there's really no, there's no point with saying this. And Sharonda, before we get started, I, I want to say this. We have lots of rules and regulations. We have general orders in our department. What you're supposed to do in the event of a line of duty death, what you're supposed to do in the event of a death notification, how you're supposed to do things, what you're supposed to do, not do, all that stuff. And one of the things I found to be profoundly difficult, whether it be line of duty death or death by suicide, it didn't matter, is if the surviving spouse came near me, I wanted like claw a, a hole in the wall and get away from them because I was so afraid of saying the wrong thing that I wouldn't say anything at all. I think that's usually what everyone else does because it's it's so uncomfortable and no one really wants to talk about it because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. And, and I get that. I I understand that. The truth but is, actually, I can't say anything that's going to make it worse than it already is. That's, that's right. Speaking, saying something, it only helps. I mean, it's especially if it's coming from your heart. I guess this 
telling someone, you know, sometimes if you can't even say anything, just just hold their hand or a hug. Sometimes that's all that it takes because the person, the family that's that's going through, we're in such a a state of shock and pain that, and you feel, and you're completely isolated. You you feel isolated, and and when someone just takes the time to say, "I'm sorry," or you know. I'm thinking about you. That makes a world of difference. At least that was for me. And the truth is, I'm trying to get better at doing that. I use an example. A friend I went to the academy with many, many years ago, he had a son who was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran and a police officer in the county, and he was on a SWAT team, and he was shot and killed. And I went to the viewing. I didn't get to see my buddy, my friend, because he was busy, of course, with all, all the things that go on with that. But we talked on the phone several months later, and I just said, listen, I've been your friend for 30 years. I don't know what to say, so if you want to talk about fishing, we'll talk about fishing. If you want to talk about Jason, we'll talk about Jason. But I don't know what to do. I'm just going to be your friend. I'm happy that you did that. I'm sure that meant the world to him. I am guarantee you that it meant the world to him. And we're going to do that with, with you and your story, unfortunately. And there's really no gentle way of putting this. Your husband was a career law enforcement officer, and he, he died by suicide. When was that? My husband, um, he died by suicide June 29th, um, 2018. So that's still very, very recent. Uh, I don't want to come off as if I can understand or know what it feel like, but to be able to talk about this, I don't think, no matter how much time goes by, that it gets easier you might get more used to it, but I don't think it ever gets less painful. It doesn't. It doesn't. You just learn to walk in it. If that makes any sense, you learn to maneuver through it. But the pain is still there, and I think the pain will always be there. That's the scary part of it, because you, you have hopes that, oh, I'm going to get over this. But you don't. But you learn to cope. That's the one word that I used to hate to hear was you learn to cope with it. And I couldn't stand cope. But moving months in, I understand what it means now. You you cope with it. It it takes the pain off of it. But the pain is still there. It's still, it's just not as raw. And I'm sure you never thought that this was going to be a situation for you. Never. I, I, I never thought this would happen to my family. Ever. And the truth is, this has been going on I, I, in the media now and uh, on social media and on websites like ours, letradioshow.com, you're going to see people talking about this as if it is a new problem. It's not been a new problem. It's a problem. It was a problem before I was a rookie police. I remember reading about it in the 70s. People like Joe Wamba, a retired police officer and, and author, wrote many books some of which became movies, he wrote about it. And we've been sweeping this under the rug for decades. Yes. And I don't know what causes this. I don't pretend to be an expert. I just know what I've talked to with people that have been through this and some of my own experiences that the constant exposure to stress and, and traumatic incidents and things of that nature can have a profound effect on the mental well-being for a law enforcement officer. Was that the case with with your husband, Omar? It was the case. And I also, people forget 
everyone on the outside. They forget that law enforcement officers are human, too. Right. The, the uniform doesn't protect them from everyday stressors that anyone else faces. It just it actually makes it worse because you're expected to not have those those feelings, and it's um it becomes it's an embarrassment because you have to be the strong one, so you can't talk about it, you can't get the help because if you talk about it and you get the help, you get the help that you need, potentially your job is taken away, or no one wants to work with you because they think you're the weak one, so it makes it a lot harder versus. Someone else versus a teacher that's stressed out. She can go and get some help. Nothing will happen to her job. Even if the principal and everyone knows, they would encourage her to. The police officer, any first responder, you're not allowed to. Now, because you become what, a liability. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I see that. I agree with you. That was an issue when I was on the job. Apparently, it's still an issue. A lot of agencies are getting much better about it, but not everybody is. But part of it, I think, is also, and I hate to say this, this this isn't to assign guilt, but part of that is something we do to ourselves, that I'm a fixer, I I help solve people's problems, I'm not a lot of problems, and I will fix this myself. I don't need help. Exactly. That's, you're describing my husband. You're describing Omar. He felt it. He could handle it, that no matter what, I can take care of this. Although my husband, he, he um, sought help for it. He, he did. He was, in the, he was actually in therapy. But it's just one of those breakdowns, and I think it, without going too far into it, you know, it was, maybe our situation was a little different, but I don't think so, meeting other people. In my situation, he was getting help, but his department shunned him for it. They basically told them that you couldn't and um, made it difficult. So I think with even that part, he felt it's not going to get any better. And matter of fact, too, one of his last things that he said, you know, what's the point? On that note, yeah. we're going to take a short break. We are talking with Sharonda Calderon, spouse of a law enforcement officer, Omar Calderon, career law enforcement officer who died by suicide. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show, 
just go to our website and contact me through there. Our website is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Sharonda Calderon. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Brief synopsis, Sharonda married to a career law enforcement officer named Omar Calderon, and he died by suicide. I just recently learned that's a more appropriate way of saying things. I used to be stuck in the old terminology that we all grew up with that uh, I, I didn't know until I started talking to survivors. And by the way, uh, there's a great organization out there called Blue Help. Their website is bluehelp.org. That's a color blue, help.org. Lots of resources. And if we have a law enforcement officer right now who's struggling with post-traumatic stress issues, active, retired, first responders, veterans who are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder type issues, symptoms, depression, substance abuse, all that goes along with it. There's help available. Check out helpforourheroes.com. That's helpforourheroes.com. Great treatment center here in South Florida that they have first responders and combat veterans helping first responders and combat veterans with things like post-traumatic stress, depression, substance abuse issues, all that which goes hand in hand. Get all the answers to questions. Go to the website, helpforheroes.com. Before we go into how Omar died, tell us about what kind of guy he was. What you want people to know about Omar. Oh, yes. Omar, he was a very calm, laid-back guy. He was a jokester. He loved to say little jokes, and he was always laughing. There was always something going on in his little mind to make someone else uh, laugh. That was that's just what he enjoyed to do. It was that was who he was. He was a hard worker. He was probably one of those type A. Everything has to had to be a certain way, and he just enjoyed doing that. He was he was a kid. He that's basically what he was. This big kid, always joking, trying to be a little cute with the with, with the boys. It's just who he was and just, just laid back, um, so calm. And I think that's what shocked everyone the most because this guy that was always laid back and seemed like he didn't let the world get to him, this is. That's what shocked everyone. It did get to him. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the biggest fallacies that people have is that the the happy-go-lucky type people can be as adversely affected as someone who we have a stereotype of mind that someone is a naturally depressive type person that's who does this we don't think it's going to be someone who's one of the givers and is always out for everybody else and is happy in a good mood that it doesn't happen then but the truth is this sort of stuff affects everybody yes and what happened? I mean, he—he, he, you said before we went to break that he started trying to get help through his agency. He was in therapy. What was going on with him? A year prior to, um, actually, the year prior to that, he started having mood swings. And quite naturally, no one else saw them, but we're home. So I was able to get him to go see a doctor. It actually took our own primary care position with me going in with him for us to try to get him some help. Originally, he was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Same, another, um, he went to go get another opinion. He was diagnosed with bipolar. 
of course, he couldn't handle this. He felt like, oh, this is absolutely not me. And he felt like the doctors didn't know what they were talking about because two different doctors gave him a different diagnosis. So um, we tried to get him in therapy. He went a few sessions, felt like it wasn't him. Took a few, a few, maybe a few pills. He didn't like the way it made him feel, so he went cold turkey, and he was fine. He, for the whole year, he did fine. Started going back into a little slump. His first suicide attempt was um, June to actually October 2017. Prior to that, I knew he was in a bad place because he would open up to me and tell me. So um, he went to work like he was scheduled to go to work. Mind you, this is, he wouldn't answer his phone, so I called the job, and I asked him if he was there. Supervisor said, well, he called in sick. Omar never called in sick. He would always go to work. I knew then that something was wrong with him because he had told me he was having suicidal thoughts. So I actually, the department was very helpful then. I was open with them. I told them, hey, we're having some family problems. And he is suicidal. So they searched for him. They did a bolo for him. They um all night looking for him. He wouldn't answer the phone. Actually, he knew to turn his phone off so they couldn't ping his line. Um, the next morning, they were able to find him. Actually, the state troopers found him. Um, was able to get him home. He was um, hospitalized for a few days. Got him home. Actually, he was hopeful. That At that point, he felt relieved that the department did know. He was really relieved. We were. It took us a while, even after that, to get him in back into therapy because now we have to go through the insurance on the job, which made it very difficult. Had to get an appointment. To, it was very difficult. So um, for a few months, we're doing fine. But his department wanted to know. Actually... I'm going to take that back. It wasn't even a few months. A month after he was hospitalized, the department said he had to come back to work. And I begged them. I once worked for the department, so I even knew the supervisors. I told him he's not ready. He told him that he wasn't ready. But they said, you know, you have to come back to work. You know, we're short. You have to get back on it. So we were able to get one appointment in um, to see a psychiatrist, which recommended him to go to a different session, but once he got to work, they switched the shift, so we couldn't go to the appointment. So they told him, well, you just have to burn your time, and when he came to him trying to burn his time, they told him, well, you can't take off because we're short. So we're going back and forth with that, and he's actually going deeper, deeper into depression. Needless to say, not even a good year later, he, he took his life. It wasn't... It wasn't a year. He asked uh, the he asked his lieutenant, you know, is it possible I can go back to my other ship because I can't make my appointment? And they told him no. And he felt hopeless. He actually told me, so what's the point? He felt I'm not even worthy to wear this uniform. And um, it was just, he, he was helpless. He was helpless. He was hopeless. And for once, he, he told me he dreaded them knowing what was wrong with him. And um, he felt like no one cared. He said, you're the only one that cares. You're the only one that knows. 
but they knew, but no one wanted to believe that he was hurt himself. On the day that he was missing, it was on Wednesday, actually, early in the morning, I reached out to the department, and I told them that he was missing. He took, um, he left his phone, his wallet, everything at home, pretty much with instructions of what to do, and he took his service weapon. I told him that I feel that he's going to do with this time because he's given up. We are talking with Sharonda Calderon. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. I promise you, you don't want to miss the rest of our conversation. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center. over social media be sure to like and follow our facebook page law enforcement today radio show we're on twitter follow us at let radio show podcast and on instagram look for let radio show podcast of course don't forget our website let radio show.com see you there back to our conversation with sharonda calderon this is a law enforcement show i'm john j wiley sharonda's husband omar Calderon was a career law enforcement officer and another way to put it he he died by suicide and this has been a big problem for a very very long time before we went to commercial break Sharonda you were talking about the day that he went missing apparently you said he left instructions he he had his service weapon and was you couldn't find him correct correct what happened then I reached out to the department and I I told them um, that he he is suicidal. And I told them I feel that he is actually going to do it this time. The department, they called me and said, okay, we're going to send his partner and some of the officers out to your home. They came out, took a report, and they said, well, you need to do a missing persons report. I called our, um, actually, they called our local police agency, filled out a missing persons report. They told me, um, well, we'll look for them. We put a bolo out for him. And if anyone sees him, we'll make sure we, we, we get him. Basically, like, like before. But I had a feeling I received no phone calls. No one was calling me. No one was texting me. I called the department, the chaplain, 
with the department. I said, this feels different. I said, it feels like no one is looking for him. I said, no one's communicating with me. They said, well, we're, we're looking for him. Well, um, this was on a Wednesday. Nothing, no phone calls. Wednesday night, Thursday, it's absolutely nothing. Um, I called the department. I said, well, I need to go and search for him. I need to know if you all are searching. They said, we are. Um, no, you don't need to search. We're searching for him. And um, the local police agency said, well, there's not anything that we can do because we can't really track him down because we just have a license plate. We can't ping a phone or anything. So we'll just have to keep looking. Um, we don't need to, you don't need to go to media or anything like that because that may make things worse. So just give them time. And they took the report again. And um, actually, I said um, he was unhappy. So he wasn't unhappy with me. He was unhappy. He's, he's been unhappy. And I was actually trying to cover it up as much, so just the little details. But I let them know that I know that he is going to do it this time. And no one really understood. I said, because of the things that he said and the way that he was looking. I just have a feeling. But they assured me we're looking for him. Well, Friday morning, my son said, Mom, the police are at the door. I knew it. I didn't want to believe it. Um, I think I just kind of went into a little shock. Even then, I, I saw them standing at the door. I didn't want them to even come in. And they told me, well, we found him at the department. He has taken his life. He was at the, was, the, the the district for the police department where he worked? Yes, he was in the parking lot at the department. And Not he'd been there how long? He was there three days. He was there on Wednesday. And the, the, the part that hurt the most is that they were never looking for him. The bolo was called off. The search was called off for him. An hour after, it was dispatched. And I was told that no one should tell me that they're not looking for him because they felt like, well, maybe they're having family problems. And I'm sure he's just trying to get away. But he was there at the department. I'm by no means an expert when it comes to this stuff. But where I worked in Baltimore, we had a, a code. You have like 10 codes we use. And when an officer needed assistance, it was a really, really bad situation. It was called a signal 13. So if, if I called one on me or the dispatcher called one on me, it went across citywide, all districts at a unique tone and a signal 13 to give location. And we would literally stop whatever we're doing and, and go through hell and high water to get to that officer, make sure they're okay. And yet this doesn't seem to be the case with your husband. He was obviously not okay. He was obviously having problems. It was obviously in distress. And the bolo was called off. Yes. An hour after it was dispatched. So when that Wednesday, that Wednesday morning when I spoke with them, an hour after that, and no one told me, which I had the feeling. I, I, I had that, that, that feeling. And I was told that Friday evening after he was found that, yeah, the, dis the bolo was called off. And they told us not to search for him and not to tell you that it's called on. And I want to defend the, the departments, even though it's not one I work for. That's my first instinct. My first instinct is say, well, it's probably because of this, this, and this. And I can't in this scenario. 
I just can't come up with any type of justification for not looking for this officer. And by the way, for people who are listening and they think it's unusual that your husband, Omar, I'm, I'm not sure what term to use, but died by suicide in the department parking lot. It is not unusual. Quite often when someone is that distressed and in that deep darker space whether it be caused by post-traumatic stress issues depression whatever it might be there's a whole triad of things that that usually accompany these quite often they the person who dies will it will be their their way of saying and i'm, and I'm trying to say this in as polite way as possible their way of saying look what you've done to me and look what you've done to my family and they they put it right in the department's face and that almost sounds like what omar did that's exactly what Omar did. Um, and I guess I need to backtrack just a little bit. Um, before he passed, when he went to his lieutenant to ask, because this was the same week that he died, if he could go back to day shift, the shift that he was on because they removed him from the ship. They didn't have to, but they didn't. Um, if he would go back, that was the week his last diagnosis was PTSD. And I think then was when it actually hit him. I do have problems. That's, that was his last diagnosis. And I told him, well, we'll just get through this, you'll um, get therapy, and he said, I'm going to go. And I, I actually encouraged him to go back, ask them again, let them know that maybe you can just find one person because they appear to have cared. So he told me that he let her know that, hey, they diagnosed me with PTSD. That's what he told me. And that's so common. Uh, and. and- I've read surveys and studies, and they the conservative estimate that they have now is about 30% of our first responders, about 30% of our active law enforcement are walking around with some degree of post-traumatic stress disorder. I call it an injury. And the, the rates for retirees is even higher because when you leave the job, the last coping skills a lot of them have is being at work with the people they work with and then they're all by themselves and they just experience the symptoms all the time and another problem is for many of them their marital relationship suffers tremendously so you add into that work problems marital problems substance abuse for for quite a few not sleeping and all the symptoms that go along with this it became can become insurmountable for many of these men and women this is true and um, the behavior that you just, all the things that you just described, a lot of people, they automatically think, oh, well, they all drink, you know, as, as a coping mechanism or, or, or other behavior. My husband, the way he coped was overtime. He worked nonstop. He would not sleep. And that was one of our arguments. I told him, no, you have to sleep. He refused to sleep. Because as long as he was at work, he was able to have tunnel vision. I can focus on my job. And not think about it. Yes, and don't think about everything. We're going to take a short break. Remember to check out our website for news articles, past episodes of the podcast, download our free app, and much more. That's letradioshow.com. Don't go anywhere. I promise you, we'll be right back. If you've missed past episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, 
Never fear. You can listen to them online as a podcast. Just go to our website, letradioshow.com, where you'll find all the podcast episodes and much more. That's letradioshow.com. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at helpforourheroes.com. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those that suffer from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Their program features first responders and veterans helping first responders and veterans. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by Sharonda Calderon. Sharonda's husband, Omar, career law enforcement officer, died by suicide. Post-traumatic stress disorder was an issue, depression, all things go along with that. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. For those who are struggling with those sort of issues, it uh, doesn't have to be substance abuse related. Check out the great program, helpforourheroes.com. Helpforourheroes.com. Get more information there. And if you have questions, believe me, they'll have the answers. Again, the website is helpforourheroes.com. Phenomenal treatment center, not far from us here in South Florida, where first responders, law enforcement, combat veterans help treat combat veterans, military veterans, first responders, law enforcement in a separate, professional, respectful setting. Call 888-991-9725. Go online to helpforourheroes.com. Also get more information at bluehelp.org. That's blue, the color blue, help.org. Sharonda, before we went to break, you said that before the end, and I hate to put it that way, that your husband was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and it's like the rug was pulled out from under him. A lot of things were not going as you think they should when someone reaches out for help. And that I'm, I'm baffled by the fact that your husband went missing and you knew he was suicidal and, and all the signs were there and you did the right things and you reached out to his department and they did not do the right thing. And that he was there on our parking lot for at least two days. Yeah. And that's just, that's not supposed to be that way. There's nothing about this is supposed to be that way when you have someone who serves as many years as he did to, I have to watch my mouth here, to have that lack of concern from his own agency. I, I think I think it brought an embarrassment. They felt embarrassed by it. It was a lot easier to say, you all are having family problems. Or 
okay, he's drinking. It's easier to say that than to say, okay, we have an officer that, you know, is is having some problems and it's documented. It's easier to put blame on something else other than what's right there. That was one of the things that no one wanted to talk about. Well, it's easier to portray them as a bad person. Yes. Look at him. He's drinking. He's having domestic disputes with his wife and he doesn't do the right thing. And, uh, you know, hey, uh, treat him as an outcast. But this, we've had men and women that, that were like altar boys for years. And then after a few years on the job, they were totally different people. Yeah. The irritability, the arguing at home, the not being able to relax. Like you said, his big coping skill was to work, 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 work. Yep, and it, uh, eventually, the the I had a guest on the show a long time ago. They had the best analogy. Said when you get a job as a police officer or a firefighter or EMT or something like that, you're issued a, a state of the art backpack, for lack of better words, and you wear this backpack. And every call you go to, you wind up picking up a stone and putting it in the backpack. Some stones or some calls are really bad. You get big stones. Sometimes they're little ones. And then towards the end, there's that one point where you put the tiniest of pebbles in that backpack and it overloads it and it breaks and the person carrying it falls apart. Yeah. And that sounds a lot like what happened with Omar. That was exactly what happened. And you don't have to tell me all the details because if he was like me, he wasn't going to tell you all the details. Even though you worked for that department before, I wasn't going to tell my wife at the time all the horrible things I went through and saw. But ironically, he's he's fed enough, so I I knew a lot more. So I guess that's why I, and that was one of the things that I battled because I blamed myself because I felt like maybe I talked too much, but I was trying to get him the help that we needed from people that we felt they were higher up, they could help us, but it seemed like it made things harder because maybe once again, they weren't aware or educated enough in it. Um, which one supervisor said, well, you can just shake that off. I've been there. But this is the one thing that you can't shake off, and I want people to understand when you're dealing with any type of illness, disorder, injury, dealing with your emotions, you can't shake it off. You can cover it up, but eventually it's going to get bigger, and everything, everything suffers. Um, I I felt like there was a, a point in time that my husband was purposely trying to make um, others see, actually, this the family to see him in a negative way, because he, because he, because he felt that way. That was his illness, his disorder, telling him these negative things. And this is a person that his job was everything, and and there's not a, a single coworker they can't say he was not the one to go to. He was he was the go-to guy. He was the one. He loved his job. He loved his family. But something had to suffer. In order for him to be perfect at work, dealing with all these emotions, home life had to suffer. It's impossible to do that, be perfect all the way across. It's impossible. And at home, it wasn't that bad. It was just he was slipping into a deeper and darker, as he called it, the dark hole. Yeah. That's what he called it. That is, that's what he called it, the dark hole. And but, that's uh, probably the best way of putting it. I, I can only tell you, very limited from my own experience, that... Uh, the best way I can compare this is, is uh, when you have a an extreme orthopedic injury. Let's say you break your arm 
and it requires surgery to repair it. And that's going to require physical therapy afterwards. There's things that I'm going to have to do. But you can't fix that broken arm by yourself. You can't will it into getting better. And if you don't do the things you're supposed to do, and if the supports are not there to encourage people to do things they're supposed to do to get better, they're not going to. You, you cannot use willpower to fix that problem. Mm-hmm. And something's going to pop. Exactly. And exactly. I, I wanted people to know that, you know, the person that took his life, that, was not, that wasn't my husband. Because Omar, he, he loved himself. Sometimes I felt like a little too much. Yeah. He was just one of those guys. He was, you know, he was a character. So he wouldn't have, he, he wouldn't do that. And his family was everything. So he just got to the point to where he couldn't get back up. And he didn't. And yes, there was a doctor that told him this can happen. But he felt like, no, not me. Even he had his, his um, the way that he viewed suicide. At one point in time, he felt like, okay, that's weak. No one, why would someone do that? Exactly. Think about your family. He, he felt that way. Exactly. And I, I felt that way for a long time, too. And I was very judgmental about it. And, and part of it, I think... Sharonda, to be totally honest with you, is fear that it's something I can't understand. It's something I am not comfortable talking about. So I'm going to shoot away the way a lot of people do. And I'm going to say, oh, that's what weaklings do. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. One of the things that we always say is it, it doesn't matter how these heroes died. It's how they lived and how they served. Yes. However, when it comes to death by suicide with law enforcement, all too often it becomes about the manner of death. If you have an officer who is so stressed out that they have a heart attack while they're working, it's not viewed the same way as an officer who is so stressed out and has other issues that dies by suicide, is it? No. And that's part of the reason why we do this and uh, encourage people get more details online. Uh, great organization, Blue Help. That's blue, the color blue, help.org. Sharonda Calderon, thank you so very much for your courage for coming on the show and talking about this. It's very much appreciated. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you allowing me to be here to tell our story so it helps someone else. If you want to be a guest on a Law Enforcement Today show, just go to our website and contact me through there. Our website is letradioshow.com. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. I've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.